Luke 2. Jesus is presented in the temple. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The Prophecy of Simeon. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Amen. Mark Twain once said, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day that you find out why. In our text this evening, we have a man that was blessed with knowing the why of his life. Now, there isn't much known about Simeon other than what it says in these few verses here in Luke. But they tell us all we need to know about Simeon and the example that he sets for us. One of the first things that stands out about him is in verse 25. He was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He had hope in a Savior. He had hope that God was going to send the Messiah. The Messiah that generations before had been talking about. He held on to that hope of a Messiah. Now remember, at this point in time, the Israel nation, they haven't heard from God in hundreds of years. There's been no prophet that was sent to them. God has been silent. And so the idea of this Messiah coming, it's not even on their minds. They're not thinking of a Messiah. They're not looking for a Messiah anymore. In fact, what happens is the nation of Israel, they start to come up with other ways. We'll do this. We'll do these works instead. 
Because the Messiah is not coming. God hasn't talked to us. He's not coming. Now, but Simeon, Simeon held on. He was holding on when it was dark. Everyone was in darkness, but not for Simeon. So what was it that was different about Simeon? How did he hold on to the hope when everyone else had lost it? See, our text tells us that Simeon was a righteous man. He was a devout man. He held on to hope because he filled himself with the word. He sought out God in all things. How do we know that? It only says he was devout. It only says that he was righteous. So how do you know he sought God in all things? Because there's no way to be righteous in your life. There's no way to be devout if you're not chasing down God and his word. You can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand. You need to have a relationship with him if you want that hope. Then further in the text, it says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. That was before Pentecost. Holy Spirit has not come for the people yet. But the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. Simeon was so in tune with the Lord, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was a devout and righteous man that sought after God and stayed connected to God through his word. He surrendered his life. He surrendered his plans to the God who held his hope. Now, scholars believe that Simeon was well along in age at this point when he finally gets to see the Messiah. We don't know the timing of God's revelation to him that told him he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. But it is believed that he waited a long time before God would reveal the Messiah to him. So he's told one thing. You're not going to die till you see the Messiah. Time goes by day after day after day. His hope never waned. He still goes to temple. He still prays. He's still in the word. Even though it seems like God's forgotten us. No. In the waiting, you see, in our waiting, God's always preparing, always preparing. The world waited thousands of years for the Messiah to come. But in all that time, what God was doing was preparing the world for Jesus. That's what waiting is about. Waiting is about God preparing us for the next thing. Over the summer, we did the, uh, this great study by Henry Blackaby. And I'll tell you, it was all about God doing the preparing in the waiting. That was what it was all about. God, why aren't you answering this prayer? God, are you listening? Do you hear me? 
says, yeah, I hear you, but I have something better. But you got to wait just this much. In light of eternity, it's this much. We think it's this much. And God says, just wait. Just wait. I'm preparing you for something. I just can't show you it yet. Hold on. Hold on. When we're in that time of waiting, and it's so hard, we will only recognize it as God preparing us if we're in a relationship with him. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels. Israel had forgotten. They weren't looking. Simeon was not just looking. The word said he was eagerly anticipating the Messiah. That's a big difference. Why was he eagerly anticipating? Because he was in the word. You want hope? It's here. You want encouragement? It's here. Nowhere else. It's in here. It's not on Facebook. It's not on Twitter. It's not on your cell phone. It's not in a video game. It's here and only here. That's where you will find hope. That's where Simeon found it. He was eagerly anticipating. And so when that day came where the Spirit said, today's the day, he heard it, and he went to the temple on that day. That's what Scripture says. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. On that day, the Spirit led him. He had a divine appointment that God had set up 20, 30 years in the making for that moment. Imagine if Simeon got up that day and he decided, you know what? I'm too tired to go to the temple. I'm too busy. So-and-so needs my help. I need to go and do that with them. Instead, I'll go to temple tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about because there are times for some of you, the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do something. And you fight about it. You argue with him. I do it, I do it too often to admit. But we all do it. We know he's nudging us to do something. And we say, no, I think I, I know. I, I, we excuse ourselves out of it. Are we missing divine appointments? Because we're not paying attention. Are we in his word? Are we touched by the Spirit, do we have that relationship? That's where our hope is. Some of you are wondering, nothing ever works out for me. Nothing ever seems to go right for me. Why is that? I can't answer that. I can only tell you, are you in here? 
Are you in this word? Because he'll tell you what's going on. He'll tell you what you need to know. Exactly what you need to know. That's what Simeon did. He stayed in the word. He was righteous. He was devout. He had hope. I know you get frustrated when your plans don't work out. We all do. But I'm going to tell you, if your plans don't work out, count it as a blessing. Because usually God has something better. I can't tell you how many times, and my husband will attest to it, we have got to leave at such and such time. I don't want to be late. I want to be early. So we have to leave at such and such time. And nine times out of ten, we are never leaving at that time. But also nine out of those ten times, I see God in it somehow where it's not about my plans. It's about what God wants to do. Thank you, Lord, for messing up my plans so that you can put your plan in place. Because that plan is the one I want to be a part of. That's the one that matters. We need to be in relationship with God to recognize his leading. How do we know the voice of God if we aren't in his word? When we place our hope in him and we allowed him to guide and lead us, it changes our whole perspective. It changes our life. Notice that the spirit also points out to Simeon which family coming into the temple is the holy family. See, the beginning of our text points out that Mary and Joseph were a poor couple. They're offering two pigeons. That's, that's the least that you could offer. So there's nothing that's outstanding about them as they walk into the temple. And despite all the paintings you see with Jesus wearing a halo, he did not walk into the temple that day with a halo over his head to announce his coming in. No, he came in just like every other baby boy in Jerusalem at that day. So the spirit told him, Simeon, this one, this child, this is the one. This is the one that I've told you about. And then in a moment, all the years of waiting and anticipating are fulfilled. The moment that Simeon holds the Messiah in his arms. Promise fulfilled. Hope fulfilled. And he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As Simeon looks into the face of the Messiah, he sees the fulfillment of all those years of waiting. All those years. You've got to just get in that moment. Is there anything that you've ever waited for so badly? And when it happens, you can't help but fall to your knees. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, Debbie shared a story last week, a couple weeks ago, about her daughter in the news of a medical test that for years they had been waiting 
and waiting. And then God brought a miracle. Wow. Amen. That's what it's about. In that moment, Simeon begins to praise the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. When we see God, we're supposed to praise him. That's why we do God sightings here. So as you share how you've seen God work, we can all praise him together. See, in the Old Testament, there is a mandate that stated any case to be true needed two to three witnesses. Deuteronomy 19.15, it says, A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If you remember last week, we talked about the shepherds. They were the first to bear witness to the Christ child. Now Simeon, he's the second to bear witness to Jesus, the, the Savior, the Messiah. If you continue reading in chapter 2, you'll find that Anna, the prophetess, she's the third witness. But here we have Simeon who spent a lifetime waiting. God was preparing him for a lifetime for this moment. That he would be witness to baby Jesus. The Messiah promised by God. So powerful, so overwhelming. Lord, I'm ready to go. You can take me right now. I've seen it all. It's like a sentinel over night watch. Waiting and waiting and waiting till the sunrise. And as that light starts to come up over the horizon, the sentinel says, okay, now my job is done. That's Simeon. As the Christ child is born and raised up, okay, Lord, now my job is done. I witnessed the Messiah. And then he breaks into song. He breaks into praise. And now we find out all the years of preparation. This is the moment he was prepared for. I get to see the baby. Wow. You see, look at what he says. The Messiah of the world. Messiah of the nations. You know, he's the first one to sing this praise and mention Gentiles. And Mary's song, she came at it from a Jewish perspective. Because that's what she knew. Not Simeon. Simeon knew that he was coming for everyone. How would he know that? Because he studied this. And only because he studied this. That was his preparation. God was preparing him for that moment to be a witness. The glory of Israel. 
He was the glory of Israel. What does that mean? It means that Simeon's going all the way back to the scripture he learned about as a kid. That promise to Abraham. Jesus was a fulfillment. That promise that was reaffirmed to Jacob. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Isaiah talked about it. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. All those years. You know, Micah predicted that Jesus was even going to be born in Bethlehem. Simeon knew it because he studied as God was preparing him. Now God's promises are here. God's promises are true. That's what's meant by the glory of Israel. but the Savior of the nations. Some, some translations say the Gentiles. Anyone that was outside the Jewish nation was to be saved by Jesus. Didn't matter if you were rich or poor. Didn't matter what color your skin was. Jesus came for you. Healthy, handicapped, American, Japanese, African, Australian. Doesn't matter. Jesus came for everyone. He didn't come for just the Jews. He was Jewish, yes. But he did not come just for the Jews. He came for all humanity at all time. Whether you were born at the very birth of time or at the very end of time. Doesn't matter. He didn't come for a select group. Look at the New Testament. He came to a Samaritan woman at a well. He forgave her. He went to a Roman centurion and prayed with him. He met a Syrophoenician woman and healed her daughter. When Jesus was crucified, it was a Roman centurion who said, Surely this was the Son of God. And all of this, Simeon is telling us something important. In sending Jesus to us, God's not only fulfilling his promises to the nation, he's bringing us a savior to the world. That's hope. That is hope. Simeon concludes his song with the blessing upon Mary and Joseph. He tells them, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Simeon again uses language from the Old Testament and the New Testament that hasn't even been written yet when he sings this song. From Isaiah, it says, he will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. For the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall. Never 
to rise again. Jesus came to rise some up. But others aren't going to want to be rise. They don't want to go up. You see, whether we rise or fall is up to us. It's not up to Jesus. He came for all of us. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, For we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. Simeon understood why Jesus came. He knew that the Messiah was not coming just for the Jews. Not just to free them from the Roman rule of the time. He was coming as a divider of men. Many will fall. Many will rise. Think of the words that Jesus himself used. In the book of Matthew, he said, Don't imagine that I've come to bring peace to the world. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. He's a divider of men. Jesus speaks of himself as a divider, a stumbling block. Even after his parable of the workers in the vineyard, He tells people, to those who are last now, they will be first. Those who are first, they will be last. Jesus causes many to rise, many to fall. Those without humility and those without respect for God's sacrifice and plan, they'll find themselves last. And their hearts will be revealed to others. Because Jesus reveals our hearts. We can't hide. We can hide from each other. We can't hide from Jesus. Every time you see Jesus, you're going to either run towards him or you're going to run away from him. It's your choice what you do with Jesus. People rise or fall according to their response to Jesus. Those who believe in Jesus as Savior and those who don't. It's only two groups. No middle ground. Can't sit on the fence. See, it's popular opinion to sit on the fence regarding Jesus. It's really popular now. Oh, he's a good teacher. Oh, he was a good moral example. Oh, he's a good person. Simeon's saying, you can't do that. You have to make up your mind about Jesus. Either he's the son of God from heaven who holds the hope of humankind, or he's not. What is he? Only two options. Either you join King Herod in trying to kill him or you join the wise men and bow down in worship. There's no middle ground. Even Simeon praised him. But if you're indifferent, then you've already picked your side. 
You need to answer, what is Jesus to you? Is he life or is he death? Is he heaven or is he hell? Is he joy or is he sorrow? Guilt or forgiveness? Salvation or condemnation? Everlasting life or everlasting punishment? What is Jesus to you? Not who is Jesus to you, but what is he to you? Life or death? Is he your hope or not? That's what Simeon is saying. This little baby who is the glory of Israel, who is the light of the world, the great divider of the human race. Some find hope in him, others don't. What say you? Do you find your hope in him? Or not? Because the the answer to that question also reveals your heart. The way you respond to Jesus tells us who you are. It tells us what you are and what's in your heart. The way you respond to Jesus determines your future. A future that's either hope-filled or constantly desperation. Heaven-bound or hell. Jesus, the great divider of men, the savior of the world, the hope of humankind. First there was Herod. And there were wise men. One tried to kill him. The other worshipped him. Then later there was Peter, who repented. And Judas, who ended up committing suicide. Then there was Pilate, who tried to wash his hands of responsibility in Jesus' crucifixion. But then there was the centurion, who said, surely this was the Son of God. Then there was one thief who insulted and mocked Jesus. On the other side was the thief who came asking forgiveness. From the beginning of Jesus' life to the very end, he divides the human race. Life or death, hope or desperation. It's your choice. What is Jesus to you? When Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms, he said, Lord, I'm ready to go home. I can die in peace. No one is ready to die in peace until they've seen Jesus. Do you know how many people I I talk with who have faith, they've seen Jesus, and they're excited to move from this world to the next. But go in any hospital where there are people sick to the point of death. They're terrified. 
Help me, save me. I don't know. I don't know what's on the other side. Jesus is the hope, life or death. You may not accomplish everything you want in life. You may come to the end, and there are goals that you didn't meet. But if you found Jesus, if you had Jesus, if you saw him in your life, Lord, I'm ready. But if you haven't seen him yet, what are you waiting for? He's knocking at your heart. He's there saying, let me in. Hope or desperation? What life do you want? What are you waiting for today? You already know what one of the most important days in your life is. That's your birthday. Maybe you're still trying to figure out the why, though. We need only to look to the example of Simeon. He was a witness to the Messiah. He was led to share the good news and the glory of God with others. His whole life was preparing for that moment. You were created for the same thing. To bring God glory. To be a witness of Jesus in the world. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. The creator of the universe wants you. Not only does he want you, he delights in you. He rejoices over you with song. And he sent Jesus for you. He became one of us. He loves us that much. That is a God who is worthy of praise. That is a God who's worthy of glory. We try to complicate it. Oh, what does that mean, glorify God? What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. I'll just go to church on Sunday. I'll read a devotional every now and then. I don't know how to glorify God, so I'll just do what I know how to do. You know how you glorify God? You love people. When you love someone, you're glorifying God. When you pray, when you carry on a conversation with the Creator, you're glorifying God. When you pray with someone, you're glorifying God. That's worship. When you serve others, you're glorifying God. It's really that simple. It's not that difficult. That's what you were created for. Imagine what the world would look like if we could just pick up on this love and serve. How different our world would be. How different our community would be. If we just put our hope in Christ And look to him. Glorify him. You know when you glorify God, that's where you're also going to find your joy. 
There's no greater joy than loving and serving others. No greater joy. You can manufacture it for sure. Watch your favorite movie. Get your favorite coffee drink. Your favorite dessert. Oh, yeah, those are good things. But there's no more lasting joy than worshiping, loving, and serving. And you can only do those things when you put your hope in Jesus. Maybe you still find yourself waiting. God, are you listening? Are you wondering if he's still working? Be assured that when your hope is in Jesus and you're continuing to seek him, he is preparing you. He is preparing you for the next thing, the next chapter to the story of your life, the next season in your journey. Here at Sawgrass, we've been waiting for what seems like a long time to, Lord, when can we put down roots? When will we be able to put down roots? But you know what? As we wait, he's preparing us for the next thing. He's always doing a work. And so we need to be encouraged as Simeon was. In the waiting, he's always preparing. And that is our hope. Jesus is always preparing us for the next thing. Where's your hope? Is it in your job? Is it in your family, your spouse? Is it in your bank account? Oh, if I just had a little more money in my bank account, then everything would be right. No, 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 no. If your heart was filled up with the Spirit, things would be more right. Has nothing to do with your marriage. Has nothing to do with the money in the bank or the friends that you have or don't have. It's all about the Spirit in you and where you place your hope. Because Jesus is enough. He's enough to carry us through the waiting. Jesus is enough to sustain us through the difficult times. Jesus is enough if you're willing to put your hope in him, even in the waiting. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Simeon. Lord, waiting is hard. In those times where we feel forgotten, in the times where we feel you're not listening, Father Simeon reminds us that you are always listening, that you're always working for our good. You're always preparing us for the next thing, if we are willing. Father, help us to place our hope in you, Help us to see Jesus. Help us to be Jesus. Help us to be your hands and feet in the world so that our hope is is spread to others. 
May we be a light at Christmas to glorify you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.